Um, so Quinlan. Okay, I told the the dearest readers this first. So to our to our standard issue listeners, not our standard issue. Oh that's God, so March. mean. <laughs> to our to our non-paying patrons, I have some news to tell you. Quinn told the news last time, so it's only right for her to tell the news again this time. COVID in the house. And who had in what house? In what house? In the house of Ipama. Yeah, it's me. It's a me, a COVID kitty. <laughs> We have like I feel like you're not present. (laughs) All right, you're right. You know why? I was anxiously looking. It's a good reason, actually. You'll like why. I was looking at the list of Patreons, and there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's like ten new Patreon subscribers. What? In the five to seven dollar range. Oh my god! I know. Wow. Also, I have to tell you too. This is my birthday episode. Oh, this will air on your birthday? No. It'll air three (laughs) days before. Stop. It's too much. You can't do that. It's my birthday episode. You guys, Carrie wants to have three birthday parties. I can't anymore. I have COVID. (laughs) And so she gets zero. And let that be a lesson to you. (laughs) That's what happens when you get greedy. (laughs) Well, that's what's so funny is I was so excited for my... Well, I wasn't excited for my birthday, but I am excited. Well, no. I feel nothing. I... (laughs) Did you like going on that journey with me? I'm a shell of a human. I'm a shell of a human. No, it was my 33rd birthday. It is my 33rd birthday. It is my Jesus year. Jesus died at 33. And my birthday is on Easter when, like, is the day after Easter. So it's like, there was so much about, like, it's my Jesus year. It's the day after Easter, the resurrection. He dies at 33. I'm turning 33. Like, it feels very thematic. And so I was like, I need to have three events. Not actually because I, like, want to plan three events. But really, it's like I wanted to go dancing on Saturday night, do a picnic on Sunday. And then I want Quinn and I to cook a fun meal on Monday. Are you still down to do that? Carrie is resurrected. Carrie is resurrected. The resurrection of Carrie Epima. And, all right, Ramona anyway, and Singer. Could, let's like. <laughs> and wait, and it, by the way, frankly, it could be the resurrection because I'll be sans COVID. Hopefully, I don't know when. Oh, it but... could literally be the resurrection of your health. Yeah, I just like don't know if I should plan anything because I might still you have COVID. You should not. You should not because it's in the sense that like let's wait and see how this goes. But shouldn't people free up the time on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> You're such a rat. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you don't have a partner and it's just me, the idea of staying home by myself on Monday on my birthday feels makes me feel really sad. You're not going to do that. You're going to go give somebody a surprise COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reverse surprise party and the surprise is that I give you COVID. <laughs> what so a surprise. Your house. Surprise. Wait, speaking of surprises, I have a really crazy story to tell you, which is that... Oh. Nadine texted me and Becca the other night and was like, are your kids okay? Really late at night. And we were like, what? And she's like, I'm sorry. Something crazy just happened to me. It is really weird I'm asking you that, but the most insane thing just happened. And we were like, what happened? She was in her kitchen at late at night 
Um, her husband's at work. She's in the kitchen and her kid's in bed. And she's kind of expecting there was construction going on in the above apartment. So she thought Ozzy, her son, was like maybe going to wake up. And sure enough, she's in the kitchen and feels a little kid pull on the dress she's wearing. No. And she's like, yep. And she turned around and nobody was there. No. In a way that like, it's a knee length sort of thing she's wearing. It's a kid's height that it got pulled. The animals are not in the room. Ozzy's in bed. She's alone in the house and distinctly felt a pull pull. Oh my God. Can you believe? And so she asked for your kids because she thought your kids would visit her if something happened. That's, yeah, that's the the next step. So, uh, you know, Cole said it wasn't him. Cole was like, I didn't do it. Did you know that someone, do you know that I just found out that there's this thought of, if you have a dream about someone you know, that it's your spirits meeting. Oh, like in the dreamland? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. I just don't love that because clearly my spirit's not over my ex. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like working really hard, but my spirit, she's like a little bit of a She's not putting in the work. She's just not putting in the work. She's a little bit of a, she's not putting in the work. She's not getting back out there. Like she's not getting out there. You'd like to have more dreams. Find some other spirits. You'd like to have more dreams of your therapist. So that you, you feel yeah, like your spirit's doing can, what they need to do to heal. Yes. Totally. Yes. Or like, I don't know, have like some rebound spiriting, you know? Yeah, I mean, just like, some random folks you don't recognize showing up in the dreams would be yeah, nice. Yeah, go to a bar, spirit, Carrie. Go meet some new spirits, okay? I like that. Find some new spirits. It's really hard. I'm trying. My phys- My body is trying to. My physical being is having a really hard time. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. This COVID's gonna yeah. set you back in the in the dating lane. That's for sure. Quinn, I have to tell you. Yesterday, I mean, I don't know if I want to keep this, but I got to tell you, I was f- dry, flying home with COVID spreading all over, and <laughs> <laughs> just spewing particles every which way I went. Yeah. And the and the flight attendant was like, "Yeah, we're almost done with masks," and I'm like, "Don't know, I have COVID," and I'm like, "Yeah." I'll still wear mine, knowing I have. I don't. I didn't know I. Like, <laughs> ugh. Okay. Anyway, I missed my ex so much yesterday. It took like everything in me to not call him, and I didn't. And I was like trying to call a friend, like phoning a friend, be like, "Are you up? <laughs> Can I talk to you?" Yeah. It was really hard, and I. And Being I was like, sick does that. And I was like, I could just call him and no one will know. <laughs> like, I'm no like, no one will know. You're around. terrible. I'm like sneaking around on myself. Like, You'll isn't know. that so fucked? I Here's know. Here's the problem. You'll know. And the reason I'm talking about it right now is because I need some consequences for my inaction. But I need some consequences because if I don't, like, you know, it's just too easy. And the birthday's coming up and it's just a whole thing. Well, I was kind of blue yesterday, too, because you know what happened in my world? What happened? Raiden moved out. Hilaria. Oh. But was that offset by Hilaria Baldwin having an expecting a seventh? I'm really excited about the seventh. I'm not going to lie. But, but Raiden moving out. Raiden moving so am out I going to move in? Tough blow. 
<laughs> oh yeah, maybe that's the natural path to follow. Listen, we've got an em- <laughs> we've got a eerily empty room right now. I was so depressed that I was like, well, I was Googling wallpaper last night because I was like, what am I going to do to feel better about this? And the answer, I guess, is expensive uh, peel and stick wallpaper from Etsy. (sighs) I just, um, so we, he was here 14 months and that's a really long time when you consider that Griffin's like 16 months old. He was here Griffin's whole life. And he was a part of Griffin growing up and such a part of Koa's life. And to have him gone and, like, last night Matt and I got on the couch and watched the show that all three of us have been watching together. And it just felt, like, kind of sad. And I think we all just miss him already. Quinn... That makes me really sad. That is a really big moment. That's a really big thing. I know. I felt like I understood the movie Misery so much after this happened, where I was like, if I had only hobbled him uh, and hidden him, he would have stayed if I had hidden and hobbled him. Hidden and hobbled him. And that is the lesson to learn here, I think. From Misery. Um, That and she doesn't, she's the unsinkable Molly Brown. Side note. Please, please, please watch the show that we've all been watching because I have not loved a show the way that I love this show in years. I am completely head over heels in love with it. And the show is is on Netflix. So easy, easy. It's called, are you ready? Lupin. Bridgerton. (laughs) Oh my God, I'll kill you. Lupin. L-U-P-I-N. It's French. It is heisty. It is, the lead actor in it is unbelievable and gorgeous and so fun to watch. And the show is like revengey and dynamic and interesting and the characters are fun. And it is one wild ride after another and completely just a true, true delight. Ugh. All right. Only you 10 sold episodes. Me. And we're through like, I want to say six of them, six of the 10. And I'm like, have that angsty kind of anxiety starting to wash over me of once it's done, nothing will ever be that good. Ah, you know? Totally. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I'm head over heels for this thing. You gotta, you gotta watch it. All right. I'm in. I'm in. I, uh, my show, Six Chick Flicks is coming to Orlando in a, in in like a month and a week, five weeks. So you didn't learn your lesson. You're just going to head straight back. Okay. <laughs> this way I'll be more immune, though. <laughs> I did have a feeling when I left. I was like, oh, no, what if I were to get COVID like right before I opened my show? Right. And now. You're welcome. Maybe this is for the best. You won't have to ask yourself that question because here it is. Because here she is. Um, should we thank some of our Patreons? Yeah, let's thank Jessica. Jessica, 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 you are the best, Jessica. Thank you for joining Patreonica. Do you see the door behind me? That it just opened? It's doing this. Can you see it? I see it. Jessica, is that you? Jessica, is that you? Or is that that little boy that was holding Nadine's skirt? Who are you? Show yourself. Who is it? Mikola. Mikola. <laughs> thought it was a ghost. Cola, I'm recording. Can you come in and say hi? You want to come? I'm hungry. 
mother of the year, folks. <laughs> Come here. Mommy, Daddy's not here. Daddy's not here? Downstairs. He's doing on the upstairs. They do not want to go right upstairs. Say again? And Daddy's upstairs changing Lonnie and I'm hungry and I do not want to go but upstairs. Okay, so you just want me to get you a snack so you can hang out down there? Yeah. Okay, Carrie and I are doing a show, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in the other room, get you a snack, but then I need to come back in here and finish our show, okay? Can I listen? Can you listen? No, we tell stories that are a little too scary for you. I'm ready. I'm not scared of anything. You're not scared of anything? Yeah. What if somebody asked? Eaten by a monster. I'm not sad. That does not scare me. It wouldn't scare you if I told a story that someone was eaten by a monster and then came back to life? And then never did. Never came back to life. Not, yeah. wouldn't scare wow. you. Because you're super brave. Yeah. I'm not scared. You're not scared? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the stakes, the gauntlet is thrown. <laughs> Uh, but Cole, we, we're gonna finish recording. Then I'm gonna come out and play. I don't want your brother to see me because he'll cry and cry. So go play with him and Papa. And, and we Say, can go to the top see walk. you soon, Carrie. Let's I also like one, some wow, Jessica, what a story! What a what a thank you to Jessica. Oh, I should have had Cole sing to her. Oh, Jessica, bring him back. No, don't. Jessica, that was creepy though. Jessica, that was fun because we thought there was a ghost. Jessica, Jessica, what the Jessica? This seltzer is the quickest <laughs> Oh, you want... What? You were just talking about how... You want me to... That's perfect. That's okay, perfect. great. <laughs> you know, dear readers, what you don't realize is we've been recording since for three hours. This is truly our third hour. Oh, we've no. been recording since noon. Oh, no. My night has stopped. Hang on. Ugh. Um... Jessica, Jessica, what the Hessica? Weird Flessica, but I love Jessica. Jessica's got a lot. I think we're good to move on. We should Jessica. She, you, you feel like she has a lot. We said her name, and then I sang Emily. Emily's not afraid of anything. Like Koa, she can listen to our scary stories and donate money. Emily's not afraid of anything. And that's why she's here. She wants to feel afraid. <laughs> Hi, Emily. Welcome. Welcome to our home. Can we do one more? Yeah, of course. How about, um, how about Leah? La 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 we love to feel ya. We can't believe that Leah is here with us on the mic. Take it away, Leah. Leah, please don't flee us just because we're bad at this. Leah, Leah, we want you to be our best friend till the motherfucking end. Leah, Jessica, and Emily. Quinn and I are recording separately because I don't know if you remember. I have COVID. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. We've got more of you. And uh, if you didn't hear your name and you've given us some money, just uh... tune in next week. Yeah. Why not? What else you got Why going not? on? Why not? Why not?
Um, wow, I think you go first. By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creepy. We're recording separately. It doesn't usually happen. It's happening now. It's awful. It's going to result in a really awkward <laughs> episode. Buckle your seatbelts and... And now, a word from our sponsors. Yeah. I want to tell you about the podcast that I'm binging right now, dear readers. It's called Foul Play, a true crime podcast. And there are six different seasons that take a total deep dive into different true crime stories. Four years ago, investigative journalist Shane Waters started digging into this mystery and traveling to locations where six victims' bodies had been found, and he planted red crosses there. That was the start of his producing season one, which details what has been dubbed the Redhead Murders. But I'm actually binging season three right now, which is about the Speed Freak Killers. Do you want to know the best part? That season is 20 episodes. The level of research and details is incredible. And I know that it's going to draw you guys in just like it did me. Shane's coverage of these cases is honest, intriguing, and super thorough. You will be, though, on pins and needles just waiting for the next episode. So Foul Play is available wherever you listen to podcasts, and I suggest that you start listening today. We're back, and now unbuckle your seatbelts because it's (laughs) time to get dangerous. (laughs) How about Koa saying he wasn't afraid of anything and then proceeded to tell a really fucking scary premise of a monster eating a child and them never coming back again? God, I love that kid. I love him so much. (laughs) I told him a scary story. Um, No, it wasn't scary. He wants me to make up stories, and last night the story I made up was that... um, there was like an ice cream cone that got eaten by a kid at the beach, but the ice cream cone was going to melt at the beach anyway, so he was happy. It was kind of bittersweet, and Ko was like, I don't know if I like this story. It's kind of sad because the ice cream cone got eaten. So is he dead now? And I was like, no, no, no. He can see through the kid's <laughs> eyes. He can watch everything that's happening, and he's still alive sort of through the kid. So it's fine. And Ko goes, so he's not going to turn into poop? And I was like, yeah, you nah, know too much, kid. doesn't, uh... You did not. Ay, 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 when you deny, I did. Did you tell him ice cream doesn't turn into poop? I did. Here's the thing. Cole doesn't know much about ice cream. I got Cole an ice cream cone for the first time a couple weeks ago, and it was... That's not true. We had ice cream in Maine. In a cone? He's had some of my cone. He has? I think so, because I always get a cone. I, I'm not a chunk. It hadn't occurred to me that I don't think he's had a cone, because what happened was I got him an ice cream cone, and when he got down to the cone, he started, like, shoving his tongue in, and he was like, it's hard to eat. And I said, you know, you can just take a bite of the cone. And he looked at me like I was making it up and, like, <laughs> seeing if he would believe me. And he looked at me like, What? And I was like, yeah, you can. And he was like, mama, won't that hurt my tummy? And I was like, no, you're allowed to eat the cone. And he was like, ah. And his eyes had this like amazing twinkle that I was like, you can only give this person this feeling a couple times in their life when they have realizations like this. And to be able to be like, here's the thing. You can eat the fucking cone was the coolest thing to watch dawn on him. It was magic. 
I realize why he didn't know that is because I usually eat the cone for myself. Right. Well, here's well, your selfishness like really paid off that time. Did his well now he will now did he like the taste of the cone? Loved. And it was one of those shitty ice cream truck uh, styrofoam cones. The cake cones. It's funny that those are called cake cones. They should be called styrofoam. That's there's packing peanut like. cones. Yeah. My story. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that I was just about to ask not talk about cones further. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> By the way, have you ever had a pretzel cone? I have. That sounds really good. Yeah, you get like chocolate ice cream, you have pretzel cone, and it's like, yeah, it's really good. Anyway, I'm not going to, here's me not talking about cones. Ice cream cones. <laughs> Save it for the podcast spinoff. Coldly. Truly, coldly, sweetly. <laughs> Truly, coldly. <laughs> and it's where Quinn and I review, like, it's a five-minute episode of just reviewing ice cream, and it's just us eating, and so all you hear is... <laughs> it's an ASMR. A- ASMR podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's so stupid. This story I got. You look so bored. I looked over at Quid. We're so That's tired. That's my period I face. I'm like literally. Period. I'm having Again? like cramp. It happens every month. It's, it's like stop. Crazy. Like we get the picture. <laughs> we get it. Women are special and attuned to the moon. Let's move on. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> uh, we really are like not synced at all. Well. Oh well. I don't think our audio synced either, so I think that everything's right as it should be. <laughs> totally out of sync, totally out of touch. The new boy band. <laughs> out of sync. Out of sync. A spinoff. Oh, that's another podcast title. Out of sync. New York Times. Not to brag. Also, I got this information from, this was kind of cool. I found a digital magazine that I just can't recommend enough. It was completely awesome. And do you want to know the name of it? Was it a zine? Truly adventurous. And the craziest thing about it is when you get on it, they are talking to the people reading and it said, dear readers. So imagine my surprise when I found truly adventurous. And then they were saying, dear readers. And I was like, my mind was like exploding. There's also a website that I want to recommend that I got information from. And the name of the website is The Ghost in My Machine. And it's a website about stories that are, uh, what do they say? That She says on it, they are stories that are strange and unusual. It's an internet campfire. How fun is that? Um, incidentally, so uh, full disclosure, I actually know the girl that, the girl, I actually know the woman whose website it is um her name is lucia and she's this amazing director that i worked with a long time ago and directed me in one of my favorite plays to date which is a sam shepherd play uh it's like a one-act play called action and it's this abstract post-apocalyptic play very cool and she's very cool so go on the ghost in my machine too if you want to read some cool campfire creep tales Ooh, fun this story takes place uh, one late foggy night, thunderclap, in 1987. Thank you. We're in Atlanta. In fact, we're at 1114 Fountain Drive, which is in the Mosley Park neighborhood. It's a working class neighborhood. We're at a brown brick facade house with green shutters. And the people that live there are Minnie Winston and Willie Winston. 
It's a couple in their late 70s. They've been there 22 There's years at this point. Such cute names. So cute. They Don't you sound have like the cutest. Ugh. They, ugh, I bet they're just lovely. They raise their three kids there. Um, oh. Minnie's taking a bath. She works hard. She doesn't have the kids at home anymore, but she takes care of Willie. He's on dialysis. And she's mm. in the tub. She's getting relaxed, having her calm time, unwinding. They've got an alarm on the house and it's locked. So, you know, you just feel secure. You feel good. She steps out of the tub and into a puddle and thinks to herself, I wasn't like splish splash taking a bath. So why is there a puddle on the floor? And she's pretty surprised when she looks down and sees some sort of goo coming up from the floor. Like Ghostbusters goo? Well, sure, because where the hell is it coming from and what is it, she thinks to herself. And she's like, what is this? Is Willie okay? Or maybe maybe Willie just knows what's up. I'm going to go find him. So she leaves the bathroom to see more goo. And this is dark red, Carrie. This is dark red goo. Okay. I was like, I, I honestly was like, so help me God, if it's more alien, if it's more ghost jizz, I'll be so upset. It's not. But it's not. It's dark jizz. red. It, it's dark red. It's coming up from the baseboards. Ugh. It is smeared all over the walls. It is <gasps> everywhere. She looks around fucking gobsmacked. What's going on? She sees a fountain of it. No. Starting to no. shoot up from the floor all over the place. She goes and checks on Willie, wakes him up and says, you got to come look at this. He cannot believe what she's saying, but then he sees it. Puddles everywhere. I mean, let's just say it. It looks like blood. Blood. Everywhere. It's not just in the bathroom and hall. It's in the kitchen. It's in the living room. Brenda Dipple works in police science. She's a blood tech on the Atlanta Police Department's Major Cases Squad. And it's the middle of the night. She and some colleagues are at work. They're having a little cake. It's somebody's birthday. But, you know, it's homicide. They get a Duty call. Duty calls. Sure. So the person that gets the call hangs up and is like, hey, you guys, that was an old woman. She says that there's blood all over her house, but there's no body and nobody's hurt. She doesn't know what's going on. So they're all like, what? They're confused as well. Um, they get in their patrol cars. They go over to Fountain Drive. Uh, they also send ambulances because they're just, they're not at all sure what they're dealing with. Right. They send everybody. They check Willie and Minnie when they get here, who both are totally fine. Definitely are not the source of the blood. They check out Willie's dialysis equipment to make sure there's not some sort of like explosion right. of blood i don't know uh it's fine the property managers of their home show up and start to look at the pipes and stuff in the home which all seem to be okay but they see this blood in the hall in the basement in four of the six rooms all these people see this blood okay Whoa. they don't see it shooting and the detectives are like minnie you said you saw it shooting all over and she says yeah it was like a geyser and willie's like i saw it too and we may be old but here's the thing we're not blind and this definitely happened 
And the detectives are like, yeah, we see the blood. It looks like blood. It's obviously a prank. It's like, it can't be blood. There's so much of it. you really think Minnie and Willie are like, I know what we could do. <laughs> we could put blood Let's everywhere start collecting and call the police. bags of blood. So Brenda, who's like the Dexter that showed up, the blood tech, is looking around with her dark passenger and her blink goes off. So she's flashing her camera um, and she also takes tubes of the blood for testing. They test it. Guess what it is? Is it blood? It's human fucking blood. No. Type O. Guess what? The Winstons, both type A. Not, has nothing to do with them. And the police are like, where did this blood come from? So they start to look at who has connections to the home. And it used to belong to this guy named Albert Thompson and his wife. And they were black. He was the racial relations director for the Federal Housing Authority. So his job was to monitor fair practices, housing practices around right. Atlanta. Right. And in 1950, he was 41 and he was in a car accident where a truck rammed his car and he had terrible injuries um, and went to the hospital. And unbeknownst to him, it turned out he had internal bleeding he went home from the hospital not knowing that. The driver of the truck says, this was faulty brakes. And they say to the driver, like, ooh, faulty brakes. Well, wow. Okay, be careful. Have a good night. And they 100% just let, let this person go. Now, the blood began to appear during the lead up to the anniversary of this car accident. Okay. And... The lead up to the anniversary of Albert's subsequent death, which was on Halloween. There's a thought, I guess, a paranormal thought that the is connecting those two events. The racial unrest would be like one of the through lines of why this blood would have shown up. It's a pretty crazy thought, obviously, but. That was one of the only theories you will come across as to why this might have happened. The police hold a press conference on September 10th. Again, this is 1987. And they say, look, we did. We found a bunch of blood in this house. We don't know where it came from. We haven't stopped looking for what's going on. But we don't know that a crime was committed. We looked at blood banks to see if blood was stolen. Nope. And in fact, that was my first thought. Here's the thing. During this time was like peak AIDS crisis. So the blood banks had crazy protections around them. You were not leaving with any blood. The press is going nuts and they're like blood oozing in Atlanta home is human. And like really crazy headlines. Poor couple. People crowd their lawn. People are all over them. People are calling them night and day. And remember, they're pretty old and Willie's like on bed rest on dialysis machines. And they're exhausted. And Minnie said, people are coming out here to see it and troubling us. I haven't had any sleep today and I probably won't get any tonight. And Willie said, me? I'm not bothered by it because I'm in bad enough shape as it is. So they're like, they did. I'm also telling you this. Which is to say, like, do not for a second suspect that these two wanted any of this attention or would have been playing some kind of game. 
the investigators are talking to each other and they're like, what is going on? Every clue just takes us right back to the beginning again. Total dead ends everywhere. We don't have any leads. But they can't keep pursuing it because they can't, like, the thing is, they can't prove any crime actually was committed other than somebody maybe somehow getting a bunch of blood and pouring it all over this house. So they have to stop investigating, basically, because they can't, like, why would they use the funds to continue to investigate when there's no crime? So the media coverage, though, in the meantime, is totally bananas. Mm. all over the world. It was on the front page of a Saudi Arabian newspaper. There's psychics and parapsychologists calling in to weigh in. People are publishing their accounts because, again, if anybody wants to take a guess, like that Albert story I just told you, it's the best guess we have. Right. There's no one knows what is going on. And a ton of different people from different backgrounds and religions are coming forward and they're saying this is what we think it means based on their religion or this is what we think should be done based on this legend based on this lore people are asking did the winstons practice any particular religion or were they doing sacrifices it starts to kind of take on another like sort of like a racist way to try and explain the blood. Right. Where they're like, oh, what were they up to? That never happens for white families who have these crazy things happen. Then, no. Though. You know what I mean? It never happens. Another Jesus. Another sort of racially charged line of thought um, is that people start saying like, oh, maybe it was gang related. I, I just, I, I don't see how a geyser of blood you're gonna bring it back no to gangs. I have just no idea what this is because it's truly insane. There's all these accusations of it being a hoax, which again, I, I don't buy it. But at right. least it's not a hoax. Let me say it this way: if it's a hoax, I don't know they who would have perpetrated it. Well, and who does it to Minnie and Willie? That's who you want to do that to. But then you'd also have to like get into their house. You'd have to steal blood. Like, there's no way. Like, the amount of blood it sounds like was everywhere is a lot. It's not, like, it's not a paper cut. So one of the theories the police float is, like, what if the Winstons did it to get attention from their children? And then they're like, what if their daughter did it because she, she wanted to have her parents declared mentally incapacitated so that she could get their money? So there's like all these, they're just trying any idea on for size because yeah. it freaks everybody out. Yeah. One of the quotes I read that I think was from, oh shoot, well, it was from one of my sources, that's for sure, <laughs> was um, it was impossible not to consider the violence against blacks lurking just beneath the surface across Atlanta when examining the blood mysteriously flowing at the Winston home. A convergence, mm-hmm. a nexus of some kind, seemed to emerge. The approaching anniversaries of the Thompson car accident and his death on Halloween, as well as the September 1906 massacre in the streets, the police shootings right before and after the time the f- blood first appeared, all created a closed circuit of wounds. 
they're stuck in the middle of all this chaos. They don't want to move. They don't have money to move, but they don't want to be part of this. Whatever it was that led the house to bleed, it didn't bleed again. It was kind of a one-time deal. And finally, the Winstons were Only able to go. Only my period could be that, too. Oh, please. Bless. One-time thing. Oy, blessed be the fruit. You know what? What's so funny is, is this is how poorly we treat women. A house bleeds once, and the whole fucking world explodes. And then women do it every fucking month, and there's no fanfare about us. Jesus. I can hardly get my husband to get me a chocolate chip cookie. Ooh, I have some here. Do you want some COVID with it? Oh, my God. I had chocolate chip cookies in the freezer last night, and I put them in the oven and asked Matt to set a timer, and he didn't, and we burned them, and I've never been so on the edge. I have some here. I would give you them, but I can't. What ended up happening that I think is interesting is that supposedly after the house, after this sort of became a part of their past, the Winstons didn't want to talk about it on a level where if people asked about it, they would be like, oh, it turned out that was red dye from the carpet. Or they would say it was rust and mud. They basically just wanted to change put the it. whole thing in the past exactly. and be like, it didn't, like, don't, they were so um, Dismissive overwhelmed of it. by the attention they had received. And it was so <sighs> unwanted that they wouldn't even revisit it once it was over. They kind of did like a, it didn't happen. And wow. Willie Winston died about two years afterwards. Minnie oh. just died in 2015 at the age of 104. Whoa, Minnie. Leaving me to question, was it some sort of live forever ritual? No, just kidding. <laughs> 105. Did they get along with their children? Not clear. At all. I just don't like that accusation that their daughter did it to, like... Oh, my God. Imagine she didn't either. Yeah. Anyway, that's the story so of the bleeding no reason. house. And we never, that's ever, wild. ever... And it's a real thing that a bunch of people witnessed, and no one ever figured out why it happened. Isn't that wild? That's fucking weird. The geyser of it, and, like, through the floorboards... Oh, I mean, the visual is insane. I'm actually so crazy. I would say I'm surprised there's not a movie about it, except that I think that what happened is just that image is like all over the movie. It's the shining. It's everything. Blood pouring, you know, through a place for no reason. It it feels a little bit like stigmata. There's something about it, like where blood is coming from statues, which I'll cover later. That's so crazy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Ugh. All right. I guess it's my turn. Well, let's this your, is not a flattering angle. It's like your turn. Angle. It's the sponsor's turn. All right. I have to tell you, this angle, though, not flattering. <laughs> have you noticed my double chin in this? Only when you slap it like, like that. Um, and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with another ad for a witch and a woodsman, Harley and John. We cannot tell you enough times to go to a witch and a woodsman and get yourself some rad stuff. Carrie and I got a care package from them that was absolutely bananas. And it made, dare I say, our lifetime because there were some life altering things included in that care package. What was your favorite thing? 
I think my favorite thing is the spell kit because in it, it is self-love and creativity and all of that. I'm manifesting. I want it. I'm getting it because I have this spell kit. Did you use the candle yet? I used the candle in the bath. Um, Not in the bath. I was very safe about it, folks. I used it wisely and it is a prosperity candle. And I can tell you. Listen, we're on the cusp of some prosperity and I have to credit the candle. I love my pen. It's a wooden pen and it's handmade. It's beautiful. And when I write with it, I feel like a damn queen. If you are thinking of getting somebody a really cool, personalized gift, this is the place to go because she's going to work with you to find the perfect gift for your friend or treat yourself for yourself. And you're going to end up with something completely unique, completely beautiful, and completely awesome. Till the end of the month, April 2022, Spelters, Candles, and Oils is buy one, get one free. And to get those, you use the code EASTERBOGO. And also, there is 20% off of woodworking products. And for that, you use the code EASTER20. Happy Easter. Happy Spells. Um, go to a witch and a woodsman, LLC.com today. I got my information from Oxygen, Daily Mail, Soapbox, Texas Monthly, UPI, and I sourced this story from some upcoming miniseries. So if this interests you, you can watch a miniseries or two, which I'll tell you about later. I'm going to focus on Betty Gore. Betty Gore grows up in Kansas. She's pretty popular. She's like a high school girl. She does all the school activities. She's like a... Betty does it all. So she um, wanted to be an elementary school teacher. So she goes to school and she meets this guy, Alan. Alan is a teaching assistant in one of her classes. And Taylor's oldest time, they dated. They got married. They have a daughter, Elisa. They moved to Collin County, um, Lucas, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. And she gives birth to Bethany, her second daughter, in 1979. And she suffers from postpartum depression. And this has a really challenging effect on her marriage with Alan. Friday, June 13th, 1980, very quickly after she has her daughter, um, Alan calls. He's out of town for work. And he calls his home, his landline, because that's all you had really in the 80s, in the late, in the, in 1980. So he calls home and his wife doesn't answer and she should be there. She has, you know, a newborn kid and she has another child, but he can't get a hold of her. He's in Minnesota on business. So he calls the neighbor and he's like, do you mind just like going over and checking on Betty? So they're like, yeah, they knock. She doesn't answer. The neighbors finally go in. They walk in the house down the hall, they hear little Bethany crying. Clearly the baby was hungry, but it had been neglected all day. They walk in further and they see a pool of blood on the linoleum. (gasps) Oh my God, themes. Totally. They see Betty's hand. It looks like it's floating on the amount of blood. They walk around the room. It's the laundry room. And they see her face. It is completely mangled. She is dead. Her head and body are in such bad shape that they think it's a shotgun blast that killed her. However, three feet away from her is an axe. They have the murder weapon. The autopsy tells the story of Betty being struck 41 times. 28 of these were in the head or face. 
because of the brutal nature of the murder, they immediately suspect that it's personal. They don't think because there's no forced entry. And if someone did a random killing like that, that's not how it would go down. They also could tell from the crime scene that the murderer tried to clean up the crime scene as much as possible. There was blood in the shower. There was footprints. There was a thumbprint on one of the walls leading out of the house. They saw burnt coffee in the kitchen. And so they realized that this murder happened at some point in the morning, which makes the husband's alibi a little bit questionable because he had left that morning to go to Minnesota. So they interview him. They look at the footprints. The footprints are a completely different size and the thumbprint does not match Alan's at all. So Betty's daughter, Elisa, had a friend come that morning and she's five years old and this was, you know, the 80s. So she like stops by the house around 11 a.m. and she knocks on the door and there's no response. But she sees this woman, Candy Montgomery, leaving the house. So they now have a time of when the last person was seen leaving the house. Now, Candy Montgomery is friends with Alan and Betty. Um, Her husband, Pat, the four of them are good friends. In fact, Pat and her husband are both engineers, so that's like how they know each other, and they all go to church together. Now, Candy, a little bit about her, um, she's really outgoing and nice. She's like super head of the church, the local church that she's at. Her father was in the army, so she moved around quite a bit when she was a kid. They moved to Collin County in 1977. They have two kids, a boy and a girl. She's really well known in the community, especially in the church. Like I said, the First United Methodist Church of Lucas. She sings in the choir. She teaches Sunday school. And right now it's the summer when um, Betty is murdered. So there's a vacation Bible school, which is where she's teaching the kids the Bible on their summer break. Sounds fun. Eh. So they bring Candy in for questioning. And why she stopped by... Betty's home is because Elisa is really good friends with Candy's daughter and Elisa was sleeping over at Candy's house the night before and they were going to take her to the pool before taking her to vacation Bible school so she needed to get a swimsuit so she went over to Betty's house she grabbed a swimsuit and left so the police are like who possibly killed this woman who seemingly had no known enemies and a brutal murder at that. So obviously they interview Alan, although they interview him pretty late, which was June 16th and she was killed June 13th. So it takes him three days to interview the husband, even though his alibi is a little bit fishy because he left in the morning. He tells the police his marriage was good, but before he had left for Minnesota, him and Betty got in a fight because there was a possibility that Betty was pregnant again. She had dealt with postpartum depression, so I could see that that might be a challenging time in their marriage. So he fully cops it that they had an argument before he left. However, he leaves. The next morning, he calls the police back and he's like, hey, listen, I got to tell you something. Um, I've been having an affair with Candy. Yikes. So... Him and Candy have been having an affair for, like, a year, and it has recently ended. And this is how their affair started, right? So Betty has postpartum depression with Alan. Pat and Candy 
they're not getting along. They're like, their life is pretty boring. I guess there's not fireworks as Candy's like, I want fireworks. And so Candy is like, I'm not that attracted to this guy, Alan, but like, I guess he smiled at her one day and she was like, huh, there's some promise there. There's some possibility. So they were in like a church volleyball group and Candy walked up to Alan and said, would you be interested in having an affair? Just like point blank. Candy. That's a straight shooter. Say what you will about her. And the two of them agreed. They were like, listen, this is just going to be a physical thing. If anyone gets too into it emotionally, we have to end things. We stop. Um, They met um, every other week before or after a picnic lunch. They rented a motel. Each person, like, purchased a different day. They'd meet. They'd bone. They didn't want to get divorced. They were quite religious. So they were like, let's just have an affair. This is better than a divorce. I'll get my jollies. It'll be great. If anyone gets in too deep, we'll split the cots. We'll go Dutch on this affair, which is nice, ethical. Wow. Um, Pretty uh, organized. It's pretty organized. And the fact that she went up to him was like, would you like to have an affair? Pretty ballsy move. So obviously the police are like, wait a minute. So Candy's the last person that left her house and she was having an affair with Alan? Huh. We got a suspect, a numero uno. So... Alan had ended it with Candy after he and Betty went on a church retreat to repair their marriage. It wasn't that he caught too many feels. It's that he was trying to repair his relationship with Betty. And so he ended it with Candy a couple weeks or something earlier. But apparently, like, the feeling was quite mutual. In fact, Candy had later admitted that the thrill was actually gone. She's like, I wanted fireworks. I got some fireworks, but the sex then wasn't great. it just great. became this thing like, I had to go do. It was, like, another thing to do. and She's busy. So she was fine with it. Like, so it feels, like, all very amicable. Okay. So they bring Candy in, and she's like, I had nothing to do with the murder, with the killing. Um, and they were like, so listen, we'd love to give you a polygraph. And she says, absolutely not. Good. Um, and by the way, you should all say that no matter what. Yeah, although for her it was challenging because the um, footprint matched her shoe size and the fingerprint was also hers. So they got enough warrant <laughs> and she was arrested 14 days after the murder. Oh, my God. Whoa. Whoa. All right. What a twist I gave you there, right? You didn't see that coming, did you? Certainly didn't. <laughs> so when she's arrested 14 days after the murder, they do a strip search um, and... On her body, they notice all of these bruises. They notice a cut on her toe, and she is charged with murder. Um, at her trial... That was a very good branch, Carrie. They notice was... a cut on her toe, and she is charged with murder. <laughs> I can't do this. I'm no, that was so perfect. It was good. They cut, a, cut on her toe, and they charged her with murder. Um, okay, Keith. <laughs> so she goes to trial for the murder she's claiming innocence except her story changes she does admit that she was there and she was wielding the axe but she says it was all in the name of self-defense likely story miss candy well it sounds like uh she really had to protect that toe well the toe is what set her off the toe she's like I walked in to get the swimsuit for Elisa, Betty's child, 
And all of a sudden, Betty confronted Candy with all this evidence of the affair. She had notes and all this evidence that they were having an affair. And in a jealous rage, she picked up an axe and started chasing Candy around the room. Now, keep in mind, Alan said they had a fight over the pregnancy, over a possible pregnancy. And to this day, he says... Betty never confronted him with any extramarital affair evidence. Mm -hmm. In fact, he did not know that Betty knew that he was having an affair. Mm -hmm. So if this story is to hold up, it means that Betty did not confront Alan, instead told him she was pregnant. Then when Candy came over, she confronted her with all this knowledge of their affair. She picked up an axe and started chasing Candy around, attacking her and hitting her toe. So at that point, Candy wrestled the axe from Betty after it hit her toe, and Betty was knocked on the floor, but Betty kept coming for Candy. She, like, grabbed her foot. She was trying to grab it. She was attacking her. And instead of running away with the axe, Candy turned around and just hit that axe 41 times at her friend from church. 41. Boy... Now, apparently this happened because of a traumatic childhood memory that Candy had where Betty apparently said, shh, you heard that right, S-H-H-H-H, shh, and it set off like a post-traumatic stress response and she saw red and that's why she had to attack her friend 41 times, 28 times in the face. Because she got shushed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it she'd never been shushed from childhood. Never. She well, must be never very when there was quiet. an axe present. Okay. She went under Candy went on, as a part of the defense, Candy went under hypnosis, and this story also holds where they talk about a traumatic childhood memory. The other thing that's interesting about this claim that she had letters of the affair that she confronted Candy with is that days before her death she had written to her mom about her friend candy which if you had this evidence come up it's like just the timeline is weird that like candy is saying she had evidence of the affair that she was confronting me on a couple days before she was writing to her mom about her friend candy and right before that morning alan left betty didn't confront him about the letters at all Mm -hmm. so it's possible that in the two hours in between alan leaving and Betty's death that she found the letters and decided to confront Candy because she walked in. I see. You're just what you're really saying is that it seems extremely unlikely that it seems extremely it unlikely as Candy says it did. Absolutely. So they have this trial. The jury deliberates for four hours. Mm-hmm. Candy is acquitted of the murder. No shit. She is acquitted of the murder. W- w- what? <laughs> People chant murder at her as she leaves because she got away with it. Candy obviously moves with her family. She's still married or she was mm. still married at this time. She moves with her family back home back to Georgia or to Georgia. Her and her husband later divorced for some reason. I'm sure <laughs> this might have reason. had something to do with it. Aye, aye, aye. Um now she goes by her maiden name, Candy Wheeler, and she works as a mental health therapist <gasps> alongside her daughter, Jenny, and she helps teens and adults with depression. Wow. 
Alan, Betty's widower, gets remarried in between his wife's death and Candy's trial. He loses custody of both of their children to Betty's parents. And as of recently, though, on Facebook, he's reconnected with his kids, which, you know, is nice. He had an affair. He didn't kill his wife. So, you know, Candy's attorney, who was actually really inexperienced and still got her off of this murder, he killed himself in 1980, in 1999. In 1990, CBS did a TV movie called A Killing in a Small Town. And there are two upcoming series based on this murder. One is um, with Elizabeth Olsen playing Candy. Fat suit? No. Great. Elizabeth Olsen playing Candy. And a Hulu show starring Jessica Biel, formerly Elizabeth Moss as Candy. And there was a Deadline article about it. But the promos have come out, and it is Jessica Biel playing Elizabeth Moss's character of Candy. Um, and what I assume happened is that when Elizabeth Moss signed up for it, she realized, oh, there's a competing show on HBO Max. I actually don't want to do this project if there's going to be a competing role. I'm not interested in doing that, which I can understand turning down a role if two studios are producing a miniseries based on it. Uh-huh. I mean, they're coming out close together like the jessica biel hulu show is coming out soon if not it's already out let me see you know if they come out around the same time we should watch them at the same time like one on one computer one on the other totally i can't believe she got off i can't believe I can't she believe was acquitted she of that either murder. that's wacky i mean i think part of it too is it like didn't even of sound course like a, so she got off it, because self-defense yeah like her reasoning and like this like trigger that she had this traumatic stress response and went ape shit on her friend. It makes to me it makes no sense. To me it's truly insane. Like this woman was attacked 41 times with an axe. Like you couldn't knock her down and then run away and then and then also for Candy to lie about it. Mm-hmm. By the way, Candy, newsflash, you're in the fucking Bible study. Lying and murder, adultery, they're all sins. What are yeah, you doing? That's a triple sin. And Candy walking up to Alan going, do you want to have an affair? I think I should start doing that. Not to the affair. I don't want to do that. But just start really going up and asking people for what I want. <laughs> I like that. The directness I do like. The murder, less I so. don't. But I'm going to go up to a, I'd like a burrito. No paying. Do you I'd like work? to not pay. <laughs> so you're going to become a robber. <laughs> Would you like to give me a burrito for free? No, I'll present it like that. Would you like to give me a burrito for free? Do you think if I walked in and did something bold like that, do you think I'd get anywhere? They did a whole podcast on that. It was called The Nice Guy Discount. And it was somebody took, it was, um... Somebody doing an experiment where they would just say every single time they were purchasing something, they would say to the person they were purchasing it from, and is there a nice guy discount or a good guy discount? Something like that. A good guy discount? And they'd be like, what does that mean? And they'd be like, oh, no, I'm just basically asking like if I can get a discount on everything. And it, the experiment was like, how many times if you go through life just asking for people to charge <gasps> you less, does it work? And did it work often? Not super often, but I think he was surprised the couple of times it did. Like, it was like, it did work at the coffee shop, and that was surprising. And it well, didn't work I at learned, the Gap, because there's it's no corporate way they would do that. You know? I did learn at 
pret a manger back in my auditioning days when I would like get a coffee or a cookie or something in between mm-hmm. is if you go up to them and you say, if you're just nice to them, like I had ordered like uh, lunch or something and I was, you know, I, you know me, I make a conversation with anyone I meet mm-hmm. and I learned that Pret will give you free stuff if you're nice. Yeah, like, Matt I'll be had like, the same. I... Matt had a Pret that he went to in uh, the village that would give him free coffee every single time. They give you free. They give you. <laughs> that makes sense. They they have a certain amount of free things that they can give a day. That's a part of their like corporate policy, which yeah, I think like, is actually really nice. No, it's like bartenders have that too. Like a amount of buyback that you're expected to be able to do for your customers. What is that? Like a buyback. Like it's like bartenders uh, at a lot of bars I worked at, there was a buyback policy of if a customer's coming up to get a fourth drink or something, you have an opportunity that it's okay to buy their fourth. I just know with bartenders, it's just like, it's like I, every time I go out to this one bar, I just get a bunch of shots of tequila. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I dive. I actually did have an idea for a sketch or a funny show of like, it's just called You Got Served and it's just serving random people. You know the name. It's just a prank of just serving people. <laughs> Wait, what about you got served, but you hand them a soft serve <laughs> and you go, you've just been served. Well, I think it would be so funny to hand them a letter that just says you've been served and not softly. <laughs> and then afterwards, a little ice cream cone. Yes. You've just uh, been served uh, with a soft serve. <laughs> I just can't believe this candy got out of this fucking murder. And now she works oh to help God. with mental health. She's a mental health therapist. That part is actually one of the scariest parts. That is really wild. What Especially in the world? what's so fucked is that Betty, her friend, dealt with postpartum depression. And so Candy murdered her friend with postpartum. And that, you know what, too, I'm, like, in saying that, I'm wondering if a jury in, like, the early 1980s didn't know much about postpartum or something like that, and they used that as a part of the defense. Oh, like, oh, she was so crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, we're so fucked. Speaking of, I really, I hear Griffin, like, having a melt. I have to go, too. All right, all right. Listen, I want you to feel better. And let's hopefully later this week take a thousand tests. I'll see you. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that too. Keep your fingers crossed on both hands. And I'm so annoyed. All right, send me this file when you're done. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Oh, dear readers, I love you too. Oh, yeah. I forgot they were here. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) We're just having a call suddenly. Did we switch over into a mode where we just thought we were on the phone? That's the problem with you not being here. Oh, Jesus. It really did. It did really we tell did. the stories? <laughs> did We did. I was like, yeah, all right, I love you. Wait. Okay. <laughs> that might be the best. Okay, dear readers. And by um, the way, how does it of, feel to be an eavesdropper? I how dare you? so much that just now I was hovering over the hang up on you button instead of the stop recording button. <laughs> like, I was probably just going to hang up on you and keep recording. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I'm stopping recording. I'm stopping recording now. Bye.